the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, September the 28th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today, on September 28, 1928, Scottish medical researcher Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin quite accidentally. It's the first effective antibiotic. Today, in 1781, American forces in the Revolutionary War, backed by a French fleet, They began their successful siege on Yorktown, Virginia. Today in 1850, flogging was abolished as a form of punishment in the U.S. Navy. Flogging. Today in 1924, three U.S. Army planes landed in Seattle, having completed the first round-the-world trip by air in 175 days. Today, in 1939, during World War II, Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union signed a treaty calling for the partitioning of Poland, which the two countries had invaded. And today, in 2000, capping a 12-year battle, the government approved, this government, our government, approved use of the abortion pill, RU486. Those are some of the things that have happened in history on this date. Well, the Trump campaign pretty well summed up what I think was the essence of the so-called debate last night. I watched most of it, not all of it. I finally just kind of gave up on it. It wasn't encouraging. It wasn't inspiring. I don't think there was anyone on the platform that could actually beat Joe Biden. Of all people, anyone should be able to beat him politically, but the way the way it is stacked in our current poli- political scheme of things today, I don't I don't know. I don't. It, the Trump campaign is saying they should not have any more of them because they're not going anywhere. <clears throat> he said we should save our resources to defeat President Joe Biden. It went off the rails last night, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it was, I've always been a kind of a fan of, of well, I, I, let me back up. I don't know if I've been a fan, but I've, I've always felt that among the group, if, if Trump ends up in a, jail cell in Rome somewhere, writing an epistle or whatever he does, if he should not be taken out of this to where he could not, he would not be on the ballot and, I don't know, whatever the worst case scenario would be. I've often thought, well, among this group of people that are running for president, surely there's someone that can rise to the occasion and they can heed the call and they can be elected. I didn't walk away from that debate last night with that feeling. 
I wanted to feel that way. I really did, but I I don't. I uh, I don't know. There was a. I, I mean, I thought maybe it was just me, but I was sitting there, and that that woman from Univision. I, first of all, I couldn't hardly understand her, and that's probably my problem. But her, for the whole thing that I watched, everything that came out of her mouth was coming from a far leftist perspective. So she has a right to be here and to do what she does and be a leftist and a Marxist or whatever she is. But why, why does the RNC always do something like that, trying to appear universal or whatever. Nobody cares, and it won't change anybody's mind about the RNC. Why do they seat people like that, or why does Fox seat people like that, whoever made the final decision, and I'm sure it was discussed before the decision was made. I know what they were doing. They were trying to appeal to the Mexicans in America. I know a bunch of them that are here. They couldn't give a wit about Univision and what they believe. Why do we keep shooting ourselves in the foot? That's how I felt. And like I said, I wanted to feel differently. I really did. I don't think, I mean, people are going to be dropping off this list. Generally, the New York Times and Los Angeles Times kind of mock the whole thing. I rarely agree with the Los Angeles Times. I don't now, but I almost agreed with some of what they said. But I, it was just, it was depressing. I mean, Mike Pence, he thought it was funny. And I, I've been, a, I, I've liked Mike Pence. I mean, I admire him. I know he loves the Lord. I know he's a committed Christian, but making the, as a joke that I've been sleeping with it, school teacher for 38 years or however long they've been married. I mean, I don't know, somehow coming from him, it wasn't funny. I guess it was supposed to be, but it wasn't. And just on and on and on. I mean, it just isn't coming together like it should, in my in my view. I want it to, but it isn't. I don't know what they'll do to Trump. Tucker Carlson said the other day, he said they've done everything humanly possible to destroy Donald Trump except one thing. I probably would have not had the courage to say this, but he said it. He said they haven't yet assassinated him. That's the environment we live in politically today. I don't know, but anyway, the Univision thing, I'm I'm not the only person. There was a huge pushback this morning on... uh, on this Univision leftist and her leftist bent throughout the whole spectacle. So they need to kind of get over that. They might want to pay attention to Trump on this one and kind of dispense with these so-called debates and really get out to the work that's ahead of them. And that is to defeat not Joe Biden himself. He couldn't, he can't run and he, he won't be running really. He'll be in his basement and they'll keep him out of sight. In fact, they, they, there's a new policy. I mean, they, they admitted that they have set up a new policy to to monitor everywhere he goes to be sure it's not uh, a possible risk for him falling down. 
I, I mean, the people around Joe Biden, they have to clear the way down. There's certain places he, they, they won't allow him to go because he might trip and fall down. That is, it's sad. But that's the way it is. And I personally believe there is some real wrongdoing in our election system. I don't want to believe that, but I do. And it's, um, I mean, it's just a very, very unusual time in America. We need to pray for our country. But having said all of that, I want to talk to you today about something that is real and that's happening. I also want to thank you for your support. We need it. These are trying times. These are difficult times as far as the culture, the nation, what's happening in our communities. And there is a growing resistance against any voice that disagrees with the so-called normative of the of the day, the Gabba Newsoms and all of this, which are extreme, but they're becoming more the normalized voice of the people in power in America. So the resistance is there and, and it pokes its head up, even with us here, and certainly people that speak to more people than I do. So these are times, trying times, but I want to thank you for your support. I want to thank you for those of you who say, hey, man, I'm praying for you. And thank you for your courage to tell it like it is. And we try to. We try to speak the truth. And we try to do so in love. I believe that's what God would have us to do. I have a pastor's heart. But we need to speak the truth. We need to turn on the light and pierce the darkness. And so thank you for allowing us to do that. We need your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. The Wall Street Journal headline reads, quote, The Surprising Surge of Faith Among Young People. That contradicts what we've been told over the last number of years. The last number of years, everything that came out in print, in the press, on television about this generation was that it's going to hell in a handbasket. And there are those among this generation that are, and they need to be rescued. And they need to be told about Jesus Christ. But the Wall Street Journal said it's surprising, this surge of faith among young people. And I want to talk to you about that today. Be encouraged. See you at the poll is an annual student-led prayer movement that consists of students gathering together in prayer on the fourth Wednesday of September every year. That was yesterday. Students in elementary, middle school, high school, certainly universities and colleges, all participate. Adults are always encouraged by the organization. They're invited to pray at their work, their church, or some other location. Just set aside a moment, pray for the kids, pray for our nation, and so on. More than a million kids met at the flagpole at their school or college or whatever yesterday to pray in front of their friends and the people driving by. They were not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They prayed. The prayer that was they focused on was Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. It's a worldwide ministry, see you at the poll. It's an effort that hopes to reach Gen Zers who have 
strayed away from God. They've perhaps been raised in a Christian home. They perhaps have grown up going to church, but they've drifted away. They've lost their faith or they was never saved, whatever. But they've strayed away from God, and they want to challenge these students to seek him with their whole heart by observing prayer time around the school's flagpole. This is, is a beginning, not an end. Fox News reported yesterday, quote, Christian students around the world are participating in the faith-based annual See You at the Pole prayer rally this morning. The movement that began in 1990 was just a few kids at a Texas school. It's become a student-led organization. It's always been a student-led organization. It has grown to an annual event that draws one million plus students across America in now in more than 64 countries of the world. Cindy McMiniman wrote a, a an article recently, and uh, it, I think it was published by Crosswalk, but I saw it in another publication. But she said in the article, she said, I know you've said it before, or at least thought it. I wouldn't want to be raising children right now with the direction this world is going, speaking to grandparents. I worry what my grandchildren will grow up believing. She said, if Jesus doesn't come soon, who knows what the next generation of believers will look like. And yet, she said, I remember hearing my parents and grandparents expressing those same fears as I was growing up in the 1970s. The older we get, she says, the more fearful we can become for the generations coming after us. I regularly write in our daily blog on our website, faithandfreedom.us. I write about it regularly. I talk about it on this program. There is a distinct move of God that's happening in this generation. Honestly, there is. I know the media paints a very different picture. Entertainment has been doing that as well, but faith-based movies have really risen to the top and they've been very financially successful. But the news we see and the polls we read generally point to a lost generation, at least spiritually. But there is a part of the story that the media refuses to report for the most part. Not all, but for the most part. We're constantly told that this generation does not relate to, it doesn't go to church. They label themselves as nuns, not not those kinds of nuns, like nun as in no religion. N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N. Anyway, they say they're nuns when asked what religion or what church denomination they identify with. They're generally considered not religious. However, there's a part of the story that often goes unnoticed. Paul Harvey called it the rest of the story, as you may recall. Let me share a little bit of what's happening. There's a music group that's called King and Country. And um, they're a powerful group. A lot of the music today that our kids, even worship music, I mean, it wouldn't be my choice of worship music, to be very honest with you. Don't tell anybody, but I wouldn't. I don't tell my grandkids that. I smile and say, yeah, that's great, you know, because it is great. They're worshiping the Lord. But Kink and Country has a unique, uh, and they're, they're, they're powerful presentation. They have a ton of influence around the country and all over the world, actually, right now. But they're big supporters. It's Joel and Luke Smallbone. They're brothers, and they're part of the group. There's others in the group. 
they're kind of the lead guys in this group. And they really promote this see you at the pool prayer, man. I mean, they put all of their influence, and they have a lot of it. They put it behind that. They were talking to some um, outlet. They said, this has always been something that has been close to me in my heart because I've been able to see the power of prayer and to be able to see when school, school students get together and surround the flag and be able to pray together. Something real significant takes place. Luke Smallbone said he added that he participated in it as a kid growing up in a Christian home. Many students, he said, plan their meetings at the flagpole at 7 a.m. and circle up, holding hands in prayer. He said some gatherings include worship, Bible reading, sharing, but all focus on one thing, prayer. One of the great quarterbacks coming up in the NFL professional football so the top rookie quarterback, he says he wants to use his talents to not only win games, but to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, that's what my life mission is all about. Here's a guy that's on ESPN, and he's in the, in the news and in front of cameras all the time since he's emerged in the NFL. He's a tremendous uh, quarterback. He plays for Houston, C.J. Stroud. He recorded the first victory of his young pro career Sunday, and it's important to tell you this as a prelude to what I'm going to tell you, he said. He um, he recorded his first victory of his young pro career Sunday in a 37-17 victory over Jacksonville. He passed, for those of you who are football fans, he said he passed 280 yards with two touchdowns without throwing any interceptions. Through three games, the Texans quarterback ranks fifth in the league in passing yards and fifth in, uh, in completions. He's brand new to the NFL. He's a kid. But Stroud, who was drafted in the first round out of Ohio State, said, football isn't my only focus. That caught my attention. I kind of knew where he was going. He said, a lot of people don't get to live the life that I do. He said, it's hard. It's hard, but it's a privilege. He was at a recent news conference. He said, and I'm blessed enough to wake up every day and to walk, to talk, to smell, to interact with people, and to play football. I love football. These are all things we take for granted from a day-to-day basis, he said. But I try to do my best to thank God through all that because his grace and his mercy. He laid his life on the cross for us. This is a national interview. As he's a winning, emerging, well-loved kid playing quarterback, running the team. He said, I'm blessed. But he said, there are things we take for granted. But he said, I try to do my best to thank God through all of it because his grace, his mercy, he laid his life on the cross for us. I really believe that. He said, this is bigger than just football. And he said, if I have to use football for my purpose to spread the gospel and the life of Jesus Christ, then I'll do that. And I think that's what God wants, he said. What's behind his words is he knows there'll be resistance. He knows people will walk away from him that could help him in his career. He understands that. It always happens. But he said, at the same time, I want to win too. He was smiling. He's a six foot three kid. He's one of the top quarterbacks in college. He finished third in the Heisman voting as a senior. He was the second pick overall in the NFL draft. His 384 passing yards in a week 
are the most by any Ohio State quarterback in NFL history. But he says, my goal, (laughs) I want to win, but he said, my goal is to spread the gospel and the life of Jesus Christ, and that I will do. If you look at his social media page, he identifies himself simply as, quote, a follower of Christ. If that if that doesn't move our hearts, nothing will. This kid at this point has everything going for him, making millions of dollars, in the limelight, winning, excelling. And he's talking about what he really wants to do is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is moving on college campuses. Last week I mentioned on this program the latest spontaneous move of God on a college campus was Auburn University. It's not a Christian school. It may have begun with Christians, but all of the schools have drifted pretty much away from their founding. But after thousands of Auburn University students gathered to worship and to be baptized last week during the Unite Auburn, I talked about this last week on this program, that was an event held at Neville Arena on campus. Over 5,000 kids showed up for this. I mean, they were hoping for, you know, 500 to 1,000 or whatever the, the organizers said. Over 5,000 showed up. This revival has been breaking out. This Jonathan uh, Paluda, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He's a lead pastor at Harris Creek Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. And an Auburn student, as Michael Floyd, they were on Fox News Channel, Laura, Laura Ingram, uh, I think it was Tuesday of this week. Yeah, Tuesday, to give their perspective on the event and the movement that's going on on the college campuses. I've had a front row seat of God moving through young adults and college students on these campuses. There's a work that he's doing, the pastor said. There's a remnant of people who are saying, hey. I'm not interested in vaping. I'm not interested in smoking weed, getting high, doing drugs, having sex. I want to live for something more than that. I want to live for forever, for eternity. I believe there's a God. I believe he has a purpose in my life. I believe he gave his son Jesus to die for my sins so that I want to live by his spirit. And that's what we're seeing, this pastor says. And that's what we saw at Auburn last Tuesday. They did. We've seen it on the beaches of California. We've seen it all across the Midwest. We're seeing it in the Northeast. We're seeing guys like this Sean Foyt traveling, pulling big crowds, government agencies trying to do everything to stop him from worshiping the Lord publicly. But it's happening all across this country. And there's all kinds of people from different theological bents. I mean, there's 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 Baptists and Charismatics and all these people are, are out there and they're preaching the gospel. They're not preaching doctrine. They're talking about Jesus Christ and about Jesus Christ alone. He is our salvation. And they're biblical. And I've been watching what they say. And they're not off on a, some kind of a off the rails with their theology. They're getting it right. Floyd agreed with the pastor, this kid, he agreed with the pastor that students want more out of life than secular society offers. And he said they are growing bold in living out their Christian faith. 
I can't tell you what that does to my heart. I was a youth pastor for so many years, probably too many years. But I see this happening, and I've seen it before. I saw it during the Jesus Revolution in the 70s. I can't tell you how that moves my heart. Floyd agreed with his pastor. He said, it lets people know that college students are unapologetic about their worship, seeking Christ. We're raising up to take a stand for the kingdom of God, to say, hey, it's time to be about our Father's business. It just goes to show you that people are wanting God more. There's a great thing that's happening in our country. Billy Graham wisely said, when we come to the end of ourselves, we come to the beginning of God. The New York Post recently said in an article about this, they said, in this time of rising depression and suicidal de- despair, it seems many in Generation Z, that's 18 to 25-year-olds, reach this point with a new study showing a rising share of young adults have religious faith. And when they say religious faith, it's Christian. There's not a revival among the Buddhists and the Muslims and so on. The Post said about one-third of 18 to 25-year-olds now say they believe in the existence of God. A recent Wall Street Journal headline reads these words. What a way to sum it all up. Wall Street Journal headline says, quote, The surprising surge of faith among young people. That's where we are. In the midst of the Second World War, the Allied cause seemed all but hopeless. Winston Churchill sent a telegram to Franklin Delano Roosevelt, our president, it was Churchill's intent to try to lift America's national spirit in a time of dark despair. In the telegram, Churchill quoted some lines from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's poem entitled The Ship of State. Wadsworth is my favorite poet. I quote him often on this program. I won't go into this. It's a fairly long poem, but this one piece of the poem is what Winston Churchill quoted to America and to FDR. He said, Thou too sail on. This is from Longfellow's poem. Thou too sail on, O ship of state. Sail on, O union, strong and great. Humanity with all its fears, with all the hopes of future years, is hanging breathless on thy fate. Some of our founding fathers said the same thing. Daniel Webster, who was the second generation after our founding fathers, He said, hold on, my friends, to the Constitution, to the Republic, for which it stands. Miracles do not cluster. And what has happened once in 6,000 years may not happen again. He said, hold on to the Constitution. For if the American Constitution should fail, there would be anarchy throughout the world. He recognized the importance of what God had done in raising up America. It is a spiritual matter, not a social or cultural matter matter. A long time ago, the French philosopher Montague, he wrote, it is virtue that makes things work in a democracy. Lord Devlin, the famous British jurist, he put it this way, he said, a sense of right and wrong is necessary for the life of a community. History shows that the loosening of moral bonds is often the first stage of society's disintegration. Abraham Lincoln said, 
In his second inaugural address, he called America a new birth of freedom. A spiritual revival is happening. The result will be that America will be healed. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.